there is massive value in investing time in getting to know people personally. And you should do less in your job so that you have time for that. Do not sacrifice getting to know your colleagues personally. Hey everyone, and welcome to Sports RD Snippets. I'm Liz Waluka, a registered dietitian and board certified specialist in sports dietetics. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you a sports dietitian guest that will share advice, insight, and rewards of the profession. Snippets of their own career path to becoming a sports RD. Hi everyone, welcome back to Sports RD Snippets. I'm so excited to have Katie Knappenberger today on the podcast. Katie has such a unique journey to becoming a sports dietitian and has an incredible perspective being an athletic trainer as well. Katie Knappenberger is the Director of Performance Nutrition for Northwestern University Athletics. She joined the Wildcats in June of 2014 and her mission is to empower athletes to use food to fuel athletic and academic success and build a foundation for a lifetime of health. Before joining the Wildcats, Katie was an assistant professor and athletic trainer at Daytona State College in Daytona Beach, Florida. She earned her bachelor's degree in athletic training from the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse and her master's degree in nutrition with an emphasis in sports dietetics from the University of Utah. She is a board-certified specialist in sports dietetics and a certified athletic trainer. She is currently enjoying family dinners and living room dance parties with her husband Ryan and daughters Riley and Parker. Let's jump in. And let's meet Katie. Hi, Katie. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Liz. So great to be here. Thanks for the invite. Happy to have you. How's Big Ten Life been treating you? Uh, It's gotten really pretty exciting over the past uh, week. We had our first football game this past weekend. Um, it It was interesting kind of getting used to all the new um, processes. Um, everything takes a little bit longer. Everything requires a little bit more thought in order to keep everyone uh, safe and fueled. Um, but it was fun. I feel I'm really proud of our team um, and uh, looking forward to the next one. Yeah, no, it's definitely exciting. I mean, we're not playing sports right now at UConn, but it's fun watching all the other teams play on Saturdays for sure. Yes, it's good to, it's good to be back. That's awesome. So I like to start these episodes off with how we know each other. So I actually met Katie through the SNP process, which is so funny, like how you just kind of meet people along the way. But um, for those of you that are that students that are applying for the SNP program, maybe it's changed a bit over the years. But basically, when you rank the schools that you're interested in, there's a list of 15 schools and you can rank up to 10. And I remember Northwestern was in my top three and I got an interview from them. And I remember I got a call on a Monday. I think it was from Chelsea Burkhart. And she was like, you have three interviews. And I was like, okay, great. Like thinking it would be like spread out throughout like the next like month. I don't know what I was thinking. She's like, okay, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I was like, okay, like sounds good. I remember. Yeah. I was like, is it still like that? Like, I don't even know. It's, it's pretty similar. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I gave everyone a heads up. You're welcome. But yeah, I remember being like so overwhelmed and I was just like, I'm so grateful to have like three interviews in a row, like back to back. And I remember that was such a fun week because like, I definitely wanted to become a sports dietitian, but it was so cool meeting like three other dietitians and like learning about their program. But I remember why I ranked Northwestern was because you guys were building your training table, right? Like, wasn't like your buy-in kind of the behind the scenes of what you guys are building? 
Yes, exactly. So right around the time that you interviewed, um, it's so crazy because in the time that I've been at Northwestern, so I've been here six years, um, and in the time that I've been here, pretty much every single one of our athletic facilities has been totally updated, remodeled, or just kind of like demolished and rebuilt. Um, so it's been really exciting because um, all the facilities here are kind of built with fueling in mind versus, um, you know, sometimes uh, fueling stations and things are kind of retrofitted into places that were, you know, designed for other things. So that's been fun. But yes, um, we were trying to definitely bait some quality SNP candidates and letting them know that they would be involved in the um just in the behind the scenes of how that comes together and how you plan and um, how you work with other members of facilities and the multidisciplinary team in order to bring that stuff to life. So yeah, really super blessed here to be um, sitting in an office that's really less than three years old. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I also, I, I might be outdated, but I still think you guys have the coolest fueling station ever. The one with Thank the, you. Am I like the only one? I mean, no one's like can like answer back on this, but... <laughs> So like for some reason I feel like I saw it maybe in like, like on Instagram in like 2015 and I always when I envision like the perfect fuel station I think of that table in the middle and then it's a great place for like everyone to gather around not with COVID but in general. Yes and so that fueling station it's funny because that fueling station that was so awesome has, has been redesigned already um, so it doesn't quite exist in that in that way but yeah one of the the um, the inspiration behind that is like let's gather around the dinner table and let's kind of feel together and have a conversation and do some education. And that space worked amazing for that. That's awesome. All right, let's jump in. Can you take us through your career path up until this point, where you started and where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I got my undergrad degree at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. It's a Division three school in um, Western Wisconsin. Um, and my uh, going into into college, I was kind of debating: Do I want to be an athletic trainer or do I want to be a physical therapist? Sports nutrition wasn't really a thing back then, um, and so I decided to go the athletic training route. And so um, as I got into my uh, education as an athletic trainer, and so for those of you who don't know, athletic training education is it kind of mirrors nutrition education a little bit because you have your classroom work and then you also have your kind of internship work. So I kind of view um, my education in um, athletic training is kind of like a coordinated program where you have your internship experience kind of wrapped into your classroom work. And so um, so as I was going through this, this curriculum in my, let's call it internship, but in my clinical hours, uh, I was starting to get a bunch of questions from athletes about nutrition, or they were just kind of starting to spew stuff out when I was taping their ankles, like, you know, oh, my stomach doesn't feel so well for practice today, or, oh, I'm super sore, or, you know, what do you think about this supplement or whatever? And as a student, I was like, I have no clue. Um, but it was clear to me that I was going to need some sort of nutrition education, maybe beyond what is typical in athletic training in order to feel like I was really um, doing a great job at my job. And so um, I ended up um, speaking with my mentor, Mark Gibson and Cordial Gillette, and they helped me at uh, lacrosse kind of get set up to take the next step to become a dietitian. So um, because I knew that before I even graduated, I went straight into a master's program in nutrition. Um, and so I ended up at the University of Utah um, met Beth Wolfgram over there um, and a bunch of great um, colleagues that I still um, stay, in, stay in touch with. But um, so over there did the coordinated program with emphasis in sports. Uh, 
and then finished up there. And then my first job was at Daytona State College in Daytona Beach, Florida. And so I found this job on the NATA job board and it was for an RDATC. And I was like, that is me. I can do this job. And there was, um, there's not very many of us like um, we had talked about before the, before the show started. Um, there's, there's not very many of us. So I'm like, so I can get this. That was a posting, right? Like that's such a random posting in general. It was, it was a random posting and it was really visionary of uh, Kim Sabi who is still um, around Daytona State right now, um, but she was the head athletic trainer at the time. And she, you know, was thinking about, of, a, of an innovative solution to a, a problem that they were having at Daytona State, which was they had a ton of people that wanted to take nutrition courses taught by a dietitian, and they also had an athletic training need with men's and women's basketball. So I was able to fill that position, um, my first job out of grad school, and I, I learned a lot. Um, I learned a lot. So um, I learned a ton on the athletic training front with um, being responsible for the care of those two teams. Um, and then I learned a ton on the nutrition front, teaching the nutrition classes. But then I also started to um, hear about how sports nutrition programs worked at larger schools. It was starting to become a thing. Um, and so I was thinking I can just build, you know, a mini program. We can do chocolate milk. We can do team education. We can, um, we can do some individual counseling and I'll just do that too. And so I was there for about three years doing athletic training, doing teaching nutrition, and then also having this program. And so uh, that was, that was great for me. Um, but I started to kind of think about, you know, can I actually practice evidence-based cutting edge care in all of these areas? And so, you know, no, for me, I couldn't. I mean, for some people, that job would be incredibly fulfilling to be able to dabble in all those areas. But I just had so much um, passion for the value that nutrition brings to athletes. And I said, you know, as much as I love athletic training, I think I want to focus my efforts here. So, um, so I actually met um, Tori Lindley and Jen Tim Q at a NATA conference, and they um, were here at Northwestern, kind of looking for a consultant. And I said, well you know, consultant doesn't really fit with what I need right now in terms of, you know, health insurance and benefits yeah. in a full-time job. Um, but I'm going to stay in touch because if this ever becomes full-time, you know, I'd be super interested in that. And so um, about a year or so later, um, it kind of started to come to fruition. I interviewed for the position and then I ended up here at Northwestern. So that was 2014. Uh, that was the year of deregulation when all the craziness ensued around fueling. And so I was really um, blessed to uh, get in at that particular time because there was a lot of opportunity to build. There was, a, there was some resources available to dedicate to building a program and fueling these athletes and a lot of motivation on the part of our administration to do it. So, um, so here I am six years later, um, still uh, in, the, in the career journey for sure, but really excited to um, kind of see what's what the next challenge and what's what's the next adventure ahead. Wow, that's so cool. I never would have, I didn't realize there could be like an RDATC, which I'm sure there's not many anymore, right? Like that, would you say that's a thing? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a handful. I mean, there may be, uh, cool. the ones that I know in the country, there's maybe about 10-ish. Okay, yeah. That's so, but most of them kind of um, center themselves kind of either in one area or the other, and then, you know, kind of use the strengths of their um, other education, other license and credentialing to kind of um, expand upon the work that they do either in athletic training or in um, performance nutrition. Wow, that's amazing. And then going to Northwestern, and I feel like 
I, I could be, I don't know if I'm the only one. I feel like I'm such a Northwestern super fan, but like, I just feel like watching that program on row and just like, it's just really cool. I feel like it's definitely one of the highest standards when I look at other programs across the country. So I really appreciate that. We have a <laughs> Can you take us through the jump from athletic trainer to sports dietitian? I know you touched on that a bit. What was the transition like? Any life lessons or anything you learned about yourself during that time? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing about, you know, starting off as an athletic trainer is just that that basic lesson of triage, you know, being able to, you know, survey the scene and then figure out where is the biggest risk and how can I help? And where are my, where are my talents and where can I make an impact and where's the biggest risk that I can help mitigate for our athletes. And so for me, the transition, um, you know, it was fairly gradual. Like I said, I just started to kind of realize that my passions were a little more in the nutrition realm than in the athletic training realm. Um, there's some outstanding athletic trainers that are just rock stars at emergency medicine. They just thrive off of it. Um, I am not one of those. Um, I had some emergency medicine situations in my time as an athletic trainer. Um, and I, you know, everyone lived Liz, but, uh, I was affected. <laughs> it was just a little bit too much stress for me, but what that offered me though, was, uh, was extreme perspective. Um, and so if you are only in your, um, RD bubble, you know, you can perceive some things as, as emergencies, you know, nutrition emergencies, and there really aren't that many nutrition emergencies. I was, say, I was like, what are they? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so I think that it's just awesome perspective to have, um, because, uh, and that's what, you know, the biggest thing that, that the, the switch offered me was the ability to triage well and, and unbelievable perspective. And, and honestly, a massive amount of respect for our athletic trainers and our team physicians in the emergency work that they need to be ready to do and execute on a second's notice. Wow. It's amazing to definitely, obviously from your end, seeing both perspectives and like appreciating, you know, obviously as a dietitian and working with athletic trainers, like see what they do, but the training and the skill set behind that is just incredible. Um, but I think it's a good point how you just kind of mentioned like emergency medicine or like it wasn't for you and probably in that moment it was probably uncomfortable because it felt like I was supposed to be an athletic trainer like I want this to feel right but I think in times like that for anyone listening it's those moments are actually like effective and it's just like okay why did this feel so uncomfortable maybe it's just it's not you know where I want to spend my time or where I can make the biggest impact and so I feel like that's a cool way kind of how you kind of found that out yeah exactly all right. With your background as an athletic trainer, what advantages do you feel like you have working with the athletic training staff at Northwestern? Any advice for sports RDs looking to work more closely with their ATCs to better support their athletes? Yeah. I mean, I would say some of the advantages are just the, the education that I got around the healing process and um, the education that I got around the rehab process. Um, you know, I have the, the knowledge and education to execute some of those things um, all by myself, which gives me a, a really um, inside look as to how nutrition can be, um, can, can create an impact and be beneficial. And so I think that's probably one of the bigger advantages. And I think, you know, another one is just being able to speak the language. Um, being able to speak in some of those, med the, you know, the medical terminology, understanding, you know, what are some of the go-to medications, what are some of the go-to treatments for different things going on. Um, I feel like that's the advantage, but 
that's an advantage that you can get if you're not an athletic trainer. So no need to go back to school for six years to become an athletic trainer. Um, people listening to the call can just kind of seek out those things and know that those are the things that if you want to have a great relationship with your athletic trainers is kind of get into their world a little bit. Now, um, you know, I think something that needs to be navigated is, um, you know, who does what in terms of nutrition. And I think that's based on your model, right? How many RDs do you have at where, at the place that you work? If you only have one RD, you're gonna lean on the athletic trainers a lot to help you execute your um, nutrition you know, plans and ideas. And that's gonna be you know, much more of a collaboration um, than you just kind of doing it all yourself like you might if you had a bunch of RDs on your staff. And so, um, you know, I think, having a great conversation with athletic trainers about who, who's going to do what in order to support the, the athlete's nutrition, and then just leaving your ego at the door. You know, they're, they're the front lines. They're going to see those athletes, they're going to see those athletes every day more than you. And so how can you work together in order to execute the plan that's in the best interest of your student athletes, health and performance? I love that. Yeah. I mean, I'm one RG for 600 plus athletes and I rely on my athletic trainer so much they're my eyes and ears and they're the ones referring athletes to me all the time and you know checking in with them and you know if I didn't have them like you said like they're the ones with our athletes all the time like you know being able to trust them and them trust me too it, it definitely really helps with you know complete care of the student athlete for sure absolutely can you talk about how the nutrition program at Northwestern has grown since you started there in 2014 I would love to <laughs> um uh, this is like my third child. <laughs> um, I'm like dying here, clearly. Like, <laughs> right? Um, so, um, so program started in 2014. Um, I was I was brought on and mentored heavily by Tori Lindley, who is the previous um, president of the NATA. Um, previously worked here as the director of athletic training services at Northwestern, and so he was here. Um, for 17 years, I think, um, and recently left to pursue um, bigger and better things. But, um, but I would say that, um, you know, part of the, the laying of the really strong foundation of this program was is his mentorship on me and the fact that immediately in 2014, I was looped into the electronic medical record, which made a huge, huge difference in terms of my ability to communicate with doctors and athletic trainers my ability to show my value in how I documented and for them to be able to, to see that. Um, and so I would say that, you know, the first year, you know, that just being an immediate priority, get in, you know, build your templates out for your assessments. Um, I mean, that was huge. And another thing that was pretty huge was just his mentorship in terms of policy writing. You know, that was, that was an immediate thing. You need to have policies around supplementation. You need to have policies around hydration. You got to have a body composition policy. Um, you know, if you're going to do any supplementation, you want to do vitamin D policy and an iron policy, whatever. And so um, he was just like instrumental in helping me write policies because, you know, my previous experience, I just told you I didn't write any policies, um, but uh, it was it was a crash course in 2014. And and I think the value of spending time doing that, um, laying that strong foundation versus kind of just drifting into whatever other people thought my job should be. Um, there's, there was huge, huge value in that. And then obviously um, just helping me um, put together a budget proposal and securing 
the performance nutrition budget. I mean, that's huge in our ability to kind of um, autonomously use um, resources the way that we see the student athletes really need those resources used. So um, that's kind of how it, how it started. It started with um, me very, very quickly. Um, we brought on a consultant and they were working with a few consultants before I got here in 2014, but, and it became me and a consultant, um, Christina Weedman. Um, and then uh, it became kind of, there was a, an intern position available. Um, and then we kind of progressed to two full-time um, and then we worked out a really sweet deal with our new food service provider, Levy. So they have a full-time sports, sports dietitian and Danielle Mock, who's up working in athletic dining facilities, but very much a member of our staff. And then most recently, um, Peter Ritz has joined us, um, primarily focusing on football. And so, um, you know, it's only six years. I feel like we have really kind of exploded. I'm, I'm really, really proud of the value um, that uh, we've been able to show and, and our community has been able to see. And, you know, in addition to that, we've had multiple SNPs. Um, we've had three of them. Um, we have um, started an internship program with UIC where they spend 20 weeks with us. Uh, so that's, I mean, it's just been, it's just been so fun. And that, in addition to what we've talked about with the facilities, um, I just, it's so fun to talk about the growth and I sort of feel like we are just getting started, you know? I know. What have you guys not done or what do you not have? Like <laughs> there, there's always plenty to do, but it has just been such a fun ride. And I am just so grateful to all the mentors and our past and current staff and our administrators for, you know, all the support, because it has just been so fun. And we have really, I mean, most importantly, we have taught, I mean, we have treated IBS. We have, we had um, a colostomy bag up in here at one time. Mm. Um, we have, you know, multiple food allergies and intolerances and unintentional weight loss and unintentional weight gain. And, you know, it's just the student athletes. Um, I think the, the, one of the best parts of this is when they come back to you and their seniors and they, you know, talk to you about how you've really, you know, impacted their lives because that's like really what we're up in here for. So. That's amazing. I mean, that's just incredible. What do you, what do you feel like in your role? Like how, what has helped you get there? Like, was there one thing that was it like support? Was it the staff growing? Where, where do you feel like made your program kind of keep growing? Yeah, I mean, this is one thing that I really definitely wanted to bring up is, you know, I feel like in sports nutrition, we kind of have the ability to design our jobs, or we have the ability to like, I guess the not ability, right, to drift into them. Hmm. And so I feel like one of the things that kind of keeps me grounded is scheduling, trying my best to schedule time to think and to schedule time to prioritize. It sounds ridiculous, but we really do have yeah. to schedule time to think. Um, because our ability to step back out of the out of what could be chaos and assess the entire situation and prioritize and create a mission and create a vision and create values and create goals, um, you know, that is is a massive investment, but also time well spent because then when it gets crazy, you can kind of step back and say, I'm trying to make a decision. Is this decision in line with my mission? No. Okay. Then I shouldn't do it. You know, does this ask compromise our values in some way? Because we all know every yes is a no to something else. So we have to be careful about our yeses too. Um, and so I think that that's the thing that has been, um, really helpful in us being able to grow. And the last thing I would say about that is our, um, 
our ability to measure our growth. And so picking out our metrics, um, how many student athlete consults do we do in a year? Yep. You know, how many team education sessions are we doing in a year? Um, you know, just, you know, met simple metrics like that um, are really, really powerful in showing, showing value. And so we've had an annual report every year since 2014. And that annual report gets communicated to our team physician, to senior women's administrator, up through the president of this university even sees some of those statistics mm -hmm. in different reports. And so I think that our ability to demonstrate what we do with metrics has allowed us to grow as well. That's amazing. I mean, obviously at UConn, I'm nowhere near Northwestern, but I could just so relate to the mission and the vision, you know, starting my own program here and it's just so special. And I don't even know how many jobs there are now where it's like the first full time. And I hope there's more, but it's mm -hmm. just, it's just amazing. And to be able to like write those things out, but then to be able to see it every single day on like what you want the program to look like and then watching it is just amazing. Yeah, and absolutely. Another thing for our, for our listeners on that is, you know, you can't necessarily go into a program and have those things right away. You know, you got to kind of live in it for a second and see yeah. what the needs are right for that unique program. Because I think it's easy to look at programs like UConn and say, I want to be just like that. Or you want to look at, you know, pro programs at Texas with Amy Culp. I want to be just like that. Um, but the reality is, is that all of these cultures are different, right? Even though they're athletics, they're different athletics cultures. They need different things. They're in different places. You know, they have different people. And so it's important to kind of get in there at first, do your needs assessment, figure out what, what is needed, and then kind of blend, definitely looking at, you know, your vision and creating that in line with what the, the student athletes really need and what's going to really make a difference in their health and performance. That's amazing because when I did first start out, you don't really know any different. So I was like, I think in my head, I was like, I want to be like Northwestern. I want to like be like Purdue, UNC, you know, Virginia Tech, because that's all I, you know, you just see it on Instagram and it looks great. And mm -hmm. then probably like a good like year and a half, maybe in that, like something just dawned on me where I was like, oh my God, I, I don't know, but I hope people look at my program and think I want to be like UConn. I mean, don't actually do that, but like, it was just so cool because I just, you don't expect to feel like that because you don't know any different, but I was like, wow, like this is your own thing. So I think it's important to like see what other programs are doing, but like how we work here is totally different from how anyone else works. And I think wherever you are, there's advantages or just disadvantages and to try to be like someone else, like you're going to find your own set of standards. Exactly, exactly. And our profession is so new and, you know, we have to kind of figure out what our, what our model looks like. And as long as, um, you know, we are working in the best interest of our student athletes, you know, I mean, maybe our consult load looks different. Maybe our fueling station looks different. Maybe um, our education platform looks different. Um, it doesn't matter as long as we're really keeping tabs on how we can help our student athletes. For sure. So you might've already hit on this, but any advice for a sports dietitian or early stages of building a program? Yes. I mean, I would definitely just emphasize, you know, doing that needs assessment, getting your mission, vision, values, and doing some goal setting, you know, doing that um, in the first, hopefully six-ish months when you're there, if you can. Um, and then I would really emphasize, you know, some semblance of an annual report. It's kind of like a journal. I mean, if you're there a while, cool. you can kind of look back on these things and you can really see, um, see how you've, how you've grown, you know, and just be your authentic sports dietitian self and be, you know, the authentic university that you are. You know, if you're, if it feels too forced, 
you then it's a, it's not going to work in your in your setting. So that's amazing. Best piece of advice you've ever received in your career up until this point? Oh gosh. I honestly have received so much good advice. I am just so share, grateful. Share it all. Share it all. It's fine. Who has advised me, but I wanted to um speak to the working mothers of the of the group, yeah, let's um, and the aspiring working mothers. Um, because some some of the best advice that I've maybe gotten around this has been a little bit more recent. Um and I think that, you know, the, the concept of, of work-life balance um, is, is just not real. Um, you know, if you're trying to achieve this perfect balance, whatever that is, I think you're always going to feel a little bit um, like your expectations are not being met, which just creates a lot of like um, guilt and anxiety and a lot of things that aren't great. Um, so I would like to think of it a little bit more like work-life blend and kind of how those things come together. And at some points in your life, you're going to maybe be a little bit more spending more of your time and resources on, on the family piece. And maybe some of the time you're going to be spending a little more, more time on the work piece. But as long as you feel like you are able to put your head where your feet are, um, I mean, that's like the ultimate goal, right? I mean, if you can be playing with your children at home and be actually mentally there with them, um, amazing. If you can be at work and be mentally at work, amazing. It's not gonna work 100% of the time, um, but it feels good if you can kind of achieve your blend, whatever that is, so that you feel good about it. Um, another thing that um, the working mom piece is that um, as soon as I became a mom, I felt like I was constantly behind at work. You know, that everybody was able to do work at home or they were able to do more than me. Um, and, and an interesting perspective um, that that someone has recently given me is um, that it's actually the rest of the people trying to keep up with you. You know, working mothers have such an advantage around um, prioritization. Um, they have, you know, such an advantage around perspective. And another advantage that we have is around improvising and around playing the value of playing I've been reading about on on your brain to actually um, you know turn on some of that innovation parts of your brain is a huge competitive advantage and it's something that employers should be looking for and so I think that the perspective of it's not the working mothers and fathers um, trying to keep up with everybody else it's everybody else trying to keep up with that and so you can leave during the day even if you haven't worked a million hours the hours that you worked were higher quality and more productive because of the major advantage that children have on on your life and maybe it's not a child maybe it's a pet or maybe it's a family member or something else but having having something that you're caring for outside of work has huge advantages um, inside of work so um, I just wanted to share that as some good advice that I've gotten wow. recently that's amazing. And I, I think it can work for anybody, but just being present where you are, like either being present at home or being present at work. But I mean, that is incredible advice for sure. Yes. I'm trying to live by it every day. Wow. It's amazing. All right. Are you ready for the rapid fire round? I think so. Favorite thing to do with your family? That goes along with the last one. <laughs> oh, uh, nature walks, crunching in the leaves. Mm. Oh, it sounds fun. One thing you miss about being an athletic trainer and one thing you don't. 
one thing I miss about being an athletic trainer is um, taping ankles for the reason that you kind of have, yeah, um, if they're not in their phones, um, you have a quality moment with the athletes where you can connect to a bunch of them for just a few moments. And that's not always as easy to get in nutrition. One thing I don't, emergency medicine. No, thank you. <laughs> All right. Deep dish pizza or thin crust pizza? Oh, I sit probably mostly thin, but I feel like living in Chicago, um, gosh, we have some good deep dish pizza here. And so definitely uh, on the regular, grabbing some of the, the authentic good stuff too. All right, fill in the blank. A good mentor will always. A good mentor will always learn from their mentee. Nice. All right, ready for the last question? Yes. If you could tell your younger RD self one thing, what would you say? I would say the one thing is um, there is massive value in investing time in getting to know people personally. And you should do less in your job so that you have time for that. Do not sacrifice getting to know your colleagues personally. That's amazing. I love that. Well, Katie, thanks so much for being on today. Absolutely. Thank you. This was so fun. Yes. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks. You too. Thanks so much for listening to this episode on Sports Artie Snippets. I hope you found our conversation helpful today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Share the podcast or tell another sports RD to be or sports dietitian about it. If you can rate and review the podcast, it really helps the show and is much appreciated. Remember to follow along on Instagram at Sports RD Snippets to see what Sports RD guest is featured each week. I'm super excited to bring on my upcoming guests, so please stay tuned. I'm Liz Waluka, and thanks so much for listening.